In Colorado, drug possession accounts for one of every seven persons sentenced to prison. It ranks Colorado fourth in the nation incarcerating Latinx persons and ninth incarcerating African-Americans. Greetings again. I'm Adam Morgan. Colorado is part of the national initiative by the American Civil Liberties Union to reduce the number of persons incarcerated for drug offenses. Their study indicates cutting the incarceration rate on drug charges by 50% could lead to a savings to the state of some $675 million by 2025 in just four years of its almost $1 billion budget now for prisons. The ACLU has termed their campaign Smart Justice. You have seen some of the Denver Bronco players supporting the effort on television. With details regarding the study and the campaign is ACLU Colorado Public Policy Director, Ms. Denise Mays. There is a, a national effort led by, of course, ACLU National, uh, but of course, the actual um, campaign itself is being carried out at the state level because that's where your one is able to make a bigger difference. And so it's really governors, uh, potentially legislators that can really make a difference on criminal legal reform in general and uh, mass incarceration specifically, which is what we're talking about here. Did this start in uh, another state and then the uh, national office picked it up and and then it, it uh, spread to Colorado when they wanted to do a holistic outreach then? That's not exactly how it happened. Once the virus hit, when COVID came, I think um, affiliates all over the country and national, of course, realized that jails and prisons were going to be a virus's delight, that there was no way for packed prisons or jails would be able to adhere to any of the guidelines, the distancing, the (laughs) stay-at-home orders, um, you know, the congregate setting. And so I think all of us independently realized that that was something that we had to do. And so multiple states have been working on this issue really since the spring. And um, we've made an extra push for it now here in Colorado because really our governor has fallen short from what other governors have done in other states as far as releasing, safely releasing people from prison. Part of the effort here is not only uh, releasing uh, people that are currently there, but also uh, uh, changing the way the, uh, what they are, they, they are convicted in the first place. I'm using the wrong term, but I think you know where I'm going there. The redemption campaign specifically is focusing, is focusing on releasing people already incarcerated. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the idea being that here in the United States, we send far too many people away for far too long. And um, we, we need to address that. And uh, not only did COVID underscore the, you know, the immediacy of that situation, But frankly, even in a non-COVID world, we shouldn't have these many people in prison for this long. And um, there are many that can be released safely into community. Is this also a a recognition as some types of drug laws are changing across the country than those who may have been incarcerated for it uh, prior to the changes ought to have their sentences 
reduced or just released because now a person who uh, who's doing the same thing won't be arrested or incarcerated at all. You're you're exactly right. I mean, it certainly is. I think um, the way society as a whole has changed their views on drug crimes. And also, I think we, we in Colorado, as well as other states across the country, have this really draconian um, law that in some states it's called the three strikes law. Here in Colorado, it's called the habitual offender. And what those sorts of laws do or say is that if you commit a crime more than once, your time in prison increases exponentially. So, for example, if you commit, you know, a um, a robbery, and then later you uh, commit, you know, some other crime, maybe it is a drug offense, then your sentence could be double of what it would be if someone committed manslaughter. So, yeah. for manslaughter, somebody can go to prison for ten years, but somebody who commits a crime three times or, you know, twice even, they can go for 20 or 30 years. And so it's not just drug offenses. It's just really these draconian sentencing laws that have put a lot of people away for too long. Weren't those uh, passed by the legislatures? And so you really have to have a change in statutes then. No question as far as... um, Stopping the pipeline, it, it, so to speak, of feeding into the prisons. You're exactly right. And some states, you know, have um, not done away completely with these sorts of habitual offender laws, but they have um, removed them off the books for some crimes. We still have some uh, on the books here in Colorado. But if you think of individuals who are in prison now, and I, I use the case of Mr. Anthony Martinez, who was just released on um, January 15th from prison after serving yeah. 34 years in prison for three crimes. And that's the only he was sentenced to life, essentially life in prison um, for robberies that were nonviolent crimes. They weren't um, armed robberies. And um, he was released at, at 84 years old. And he spent 35 years in prison. So you have a lot of folks that are serving very long sentences um, that really require, you know, a second, third look. Because, again, we have sent them away for too long as a result of the draconian laws that were on the books, um, you know, years ago, and some of which uh, continue to remain on the books. So we have to really get a lot of legislative support for uh, reviewing those uh, those laws, as well as looking at how um, how offenders may be sentenced now, you know, to uh, to bring them in in line to current standards. Then, Right. That's what I was uh, talking about. Like I said, like, you know, that's the pipeline, right, that feeds people into the prison. But what we're trying to focus on is is we don't we don't need to wait for those laws to change. The fact of the matter is the governor could exercise his power of clemency uh, to get folks out of prisons who are elderly, who are susceptible to the virus, 
and more importantly, that can be um, safely released. And we call it the redemption campaign because, frankly, I believe, and I, I really do believe others uh, believe that redemption can happen. Redemption is real, and uh, yeah. clemency is compassion, and we need to st- start looking uh, at the folks that we have um, incarcerated through through that lens. And I guess you've also found, or at least the Colorado Criminal Justice Coalition has found that uh, a number of these people that are incarcerated are heavily uh, members of minority communities as well. Uh, Latinx and African Americans are are paying the biggest brunt of those uh, uh, sentences that don't fit anymore. That no question about it. I think that we we also need to look at mass incarceration as a racial justice issue. There are a lot of uh, black and brown children that are growing up in single parent homes uh, because of a very uh, cruel and tough, uh, tough on crime, uh, criminal legal system. And um, there's a lot of fixes, of course, that need to be made there. And and it's it should be all hands on deck, in, including clemency by the governor. Yeah, and what you're saying is that in a number of these families, it wasn't because the uh, the marriage or the relationship broke up. It's because the the father, let's say, had a had a problem there, and the state took the dad out of the family. Exactly, that's exactly right. And you you hit on a good point there because, I, and I we're it's somewhat surprising, you know, to us at the ACLU because we've been talking about these issues for a long time. But I think it's becoming just more and more apparent and maybe more part of the public discourse about how many folks are in prison that um, that committed crimes, of course, certainly. Uh, and there I, I see the need, you know, for prisons in some cases, I suppose. But a lot of the folks that we have in prison suffer from, you know, drug or other substance abuse. There is yeah. mental health issues. Um, and really, we shortchanged those support systems, you know, throughout the throughout the seventies and eighties. And I think we we are continuing to pay the price for that. And so, instead of putting money into services that lift people up or the nets that keep people from falling too far below, uh, we have you know put money into prisons and. You know, our state prison budget is the highest it's ever been. It, it didn't break the one billion dollar um, line, but it's pretty darn close. And yeah. that's, you know, that's a, a, a ridiculous use of resources when you think that that money should have been diverted to other things that would have helped people rather than, frankly, cage them. And so, I, I guess the report is also indicating that this is more a public health issue than a criminal justice issue. There you go. There you go. That's exactly right. Um, I think we're seeing so much of it now, and I really believe it's, it's because we're, we're kind of busting at the, at the, at the scenes, if you will, that it's just so apparent. And maybe that's one of the things that, that COVID really, 
really underscored in a lot. I always say the virus itself is is not racist, but it surely has uncovered, um, you know, a long history of racism and and classism and um, lots of things like that that we have shortchanged um, throughout many decades. Oh, yeah, and you can't sweep the COVID under the rug at all. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, and that's, you know, you see it everywhere, right? There's, like, there's tents of people, you know, living outdoors now, and this is something that's always been around. We're just, like I say, it's just becoming more and more um, in view, I guess. It's in plain sight now. There's a higher number of incarcerations on drug-related offenses uh, encompassing women as well that we haven't seen before. That has really been a fascinating or troubling thing um, that that the rise of women in prison, it, it's, it's really phenomenal to me. And I'm not really sure I understand why, except... I mean, they're they're suffering from the same issues as men are. It's mental health, it's substance abuse, it's um, lots of things that are very related to public health, as you mentioned. Um, but it is it is kind of it really is remarkable. And some of them, many of them, have children that are being raised by grandparents and things like that. So it's yeah, or foster care, or, or you know, I mean, just not in. Yeah. Um, not ideal situations, and then, you know, what future have we written for them? So these, mm-hmm. these are all things that we really need to take a harder look at and and pay much closer attention. And part of our campaign is, um, is, is to show individuals in that light. I think, um, you know, lots of folks, and, hey, I'm not faulting anyone, um, the the – the image of someone in prison, you know, is is kind of a stereotype. And what we're trying to say is there are people that do redeem themselves. They should not be judged on the worst day of their life or the one big mistake in their life. And people do change. Redemption is real. And we want to give a different image of what may be most folks may have for whatever reason. On this edition, the subject is the over-incarceration of drug offenders in Colorado and the outreach to reduce the number while saving the state prison's budget major costs at the same time. With us is Ms. Denise Mays, Colorado Public Policy Director for the American Civil Liberties Union. We'll continue our conversations with her on our next edition. I'm Adam Morgan. Do keep in touch. Stay on your game. Mask up and keep your distance when going out. And many thanks to you for sharing a few moments of your weekend with us.